Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. You can walk out of here and be carried out. Have no illusions. We are in charge. And Larry Korea. Welcome to the party, pal! Today's episode, Don't Negotiate with Terrorists. Uh, welcome back, everybody. I don't know why we had Die Hard on the mind today. So. Oh, man. You know, it's all the, all the good classic movies, Larry. We, we love them all. So, yeah. all right. Our previous episode, we were talking about some bad writing advice. Turns out, everyone, we're not done. No, this was actually, this was sent to me, and which is great because I love when you guys send us bad writing advice. This one is actually a bad writing advice string. It is. It's, it's a never ending. Several posts and, um, so. It just goes on and on of terribleness. Actually, I know exactly why we had Die Hard on the mind because this episode is called Don't Negotiate with Terrorists. That's right. And, um, if I could do a Hans Gruber voice, I would like totally read this as Hans Gruber. But mm-hmm. as you guys know, when I read bad writing advice from the internet, I use my bad writing advice voice. So here we go. Here we go. Brace yourselves, everybody. Brace yourselves. As usual, I do not identify these people so that the guilty may remain unknown. Yep. And to protect the innocent. Okay, whatever. As a writer, I don't worry about being canceled. I worry about publishing something ignorant, betraying my audience, and accidentally using my platform to perpetuate hurtful ideas and societal structures. I worry about failing to be responsible and curious author and citizen. Said someone who's never made money. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually I looked this person has actually published some books. Oh, okay. Unlike most bad writing advice. However, this is guys, this stuff right here, and we're going to get into this because there's several of these. And this is actually really nefarious. It's pretty insidious. This whole string is pretty insidious, Larry. Yeah, because then we'll, we'll get to why we say don't negotiate with terrorists, but let's break this down a little bit. She says, as a writer, she doesn't worry about being canceled. You know what? I worry about can- being canceled, Larry, because I, you know what? I would like to make a living at this. And uh, if you're canceled, you don't get to make a living at this. See, anybody who tells me right away they don't worry about being canceled, they're a liar. Oh, gosh. All of us do. Um, they've been trying to cancel me for various reasons for many, 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 many years. If we have time in this episode, I'll tell you of the last attempt, which was hilarious mm-hmm. because they, they failed and it was, they, they crashed and they basically suicide bombed themselves trying to cancel me. So it was actually funny, but, um, all people are afraid of being canceled, especially us creative writer types, because our business, uh, depends on getting our product out through very narrow channels, uh, to an audience. And so there's not a lot of money in writing for a long time, especially when you're getting started. Now, some people, once you're JK Rowling, you can have millions of people trying to cancel you, but you don't care because you're JK Rowling. That's right. She's got more money than the queen. I mean, mm-hmm. she has, um, she has theme park money. She has more money than most authors can even sort of understand. Theme park money, movie. I mean, just the, the book sales coming from. <laughs> from the movies alone. No, but the rest of us don't have that. And now video game money. Well, in other industries too, most of us, most comedians aren't Dave Chappelle. Right. Uh, most uh, podcasters aren't Joe Rogan. Yeah. You know? But did you guys know that for just 99 cents a month, you can help turn Larry and I into the next Joe Rogans, but without as many conspiracy theories? Well, actually, I, I could come up with some wacky ones. I mean, really. we can make some up. I'd have Alex Jones on. Yeah. But here's the thing. If we had a hundred thousand people at 99 cents a month, we could do whatever we want. That's right. Yeah. 
fly here in my gold-plated helicopter. Um, oh, but, but the thing is, so anybody tells me right off the bat that they're not worried about being canceled, honestly, and they're on Twitter saying this, they're probably lying. Because either that or they've probably helped cancel other people. And what you've seen, guys, is we've seen this many times where you get the mob and they'll be out there in force with the torches and pitchforks. Some of the loudest people in the mob a year later are getting canceled yep. for some reason. Oh, we've seen this a lot in the past. Remember, remember we talked about this in one of our previous episodes. Um, we were talking about making sure you have wingmen and stuff when you're going out to cons and Absolutely. things. And because um, for authors, that's a lot of the time when you, get, when you end up getting canceled. Now, there are some authors who've gone out there in some movies or whatever, lots of people who've gone out there and the stuff they're getting canceled for, I mean, look, Kevin Spacey, he got canceled uh, for a good reason. Yeah, don't, don't be rapey. Don't, yeah, don't, don't be Kevin Spacey. Um, but, uh, well, a lot of authors they don't get canceled for anything bad. But, and, that, and that's where I was going, was there was that whole slew of, of people um, and authors at a specific time back in the past where um, all of a sudden one author got accused of, of some impropriety and then um, all of the, the anonymous weirdos on the internet piled on and just started randomly naming everyone they could think of. Yeah. And the vast majority of, of them. people getting rolled up in this. the vast majority of them were completely false. There's a reason our, our uh, justice system is based upon facing your accusers and the presentation of evidence to be uh, weighed by a group of impartial people. That's the ideal. Burden that is of proof. the opposite of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so the rest of this first one though is interesting because what is she worried about? If not being canceled, she's worried about accidentally using her platform to perpetuate hurtful ideas and mm. social structures. Said someone who doesn't have a platform. Yeah. Well, and social structures too, that's one of those super nebulous, you know. The, uh, everything that she's mentioning right now are shifting goalposts. Yeah. So I'm going to jump ahead to the next one here. So you can yes. see about like. Um, because ladies and gentlemen, this tweet, this bad writing advice. You don't get to hear just the bad voice once. Oh no, there's a whole thread of bad it's voice. It's a whole thread of bad voice. Here we go. You're welcome. Here we go. I get so frustrated when I see cis authors wilding out and getting defensive when their work is challenged on its ignorance and potential to cause harm. You're a human. You're fallible. Take the L and learn. Apologize. Be accountable for your mistake. Make it right. Ugh. She didn't say do better, but I guess I was going to say, I was going to say this sounds. This do sounds... better. I added that. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's in brackets. You yeah. know, so it's, it's just assumed that that's what no, was said. Think about this though. So I'm not going to get into the whole political angle, the whole cis author thing, which whatever. No. Cause that's trash anyway. Uh, I, I was called a cis male gender normative fascist, like, I remember like that. 10 years ago. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever seen the word cis male and I had to look it up. Yeah. So I was a pioneer. You, yeah. We were, we were uh, in the same office together and you looked over and you're like, Steve, I don't know what this means. Steve, Steve, what is a cis male gender normative fascist? And you're like, oh. I don't know. Like I only speak two languages. And I and even had, idiot is I one even of them. Googled it and I could, I was like trying to piece together the words and uh, yeah, that was great. No, but so think about this. She gets frustrated when she sees cis authors or whatever. You put, you can fill in the blanks, author of whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, wilding out and getting defensive when their work is challenged on its ignorance and potential to cause harm. Potential. So you guys haven't actually done anything wrong yet. However, you have the potential to do harm. Right. So you've committed pre-crime. Yeah. And so you're a human, you're fallible. You know, we actually talked about that last episode about taking constructive criticism. Remember we said there, you could take constructive criticism, 
but don't take garbage. Don't take garbage. Don't take deconstructive criticism. Don't take and, the people who are out to get you. And what this person is talking about specifically, Larry, is deconstructive criticism. Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting here because she goes, take the L, you know, take the loss and learn. Apologize. Be accountable for your mistake. Well, okay, first off, they didn't really do anything. They didn't make a mistake. And once again, guys, writers on the internet, writers out there doing your, doing thing, never, ever apologize if you have not done anything wrong. Now, one of the things that comes immediately to my mind in this, Larry, is this is the type of person that I see out there complaining about like, you know, to kill a mockingbird because there's, there's like racial epithets within it or, um, you know, Mark Twain, you know, things of that. Now I don't even really like Mark Twain, but I'll defend him to my grave because he wrote during a specific period in time when period pieces, when people spoke the way certain people spoke. So I'm reading a book right now for research because of werewolf cop, right? So I'm reading black Dahlia by James Elroy. The book is freaking awesome. Um, but the book takes place in 1947, fictionalized around the, the, the Black Dahlia murders, right? Um, the book was written in like, I think 1987 and every other sentence, there's some sort of like racial something going everywhere because it was 1947. Okay. So, so what? So suddenly one of the you know, one of the greatest authors of, of noir and crime fiction, um, may, maybe he should, maybe he should apologize for the book that he wrote in 1987, Larry, because, well, if because he, followed, he wrote heart, he wrote hurtful words out of ignorance, Larry. Well, it wasn't out of ignorance, it was out of historical fact. It was accuracy. out of historical fact. And it's interesting too, because, you know, we always try to, we judge these people from other eras through our lens of stuff that didn't even exist in their time. Mm-hmm. What's the height of hubris? Well, I mean, you know, both you and I are fans of Robert E. Howard and oh, yeah. Lovecraft, right? I've, I've seen people attack, I've seen people attack both of those guys yeah. for having attitudes uh, uh, that were actually, here's a funny thing. Robert E. Howard was actually pretty progressive for his day. Yeah. And considering, especially he was from Texas. Well, and he had, I mean, if you actually stop to read Howard's fiction, like the females in there are... Pretty, oh, no. pretty tough as nails. He did strong independent women before that was a, before that was a popular yep. thing. And also he actually had multi-ethnic heroes. That's right. He had heroes other than white guys, mm-hmm. which in that era was pretty unheard of. And the fact is when people, the guys from small town, Texas, uh, grew up in the early 1900s, he grew up around, uh, the old, the older guys were civil war veterans when he grew up. You know, that's how, that's how long ago, but this guy gets judged as being this horrible human being. Cause he said stuff that was, it'd be like, you know, just having a normal conversation and his, but how he didn't know. I mean, obviously he should have predicted all this stuff. Obviously, obviously you should know that, you know, 80 to a hundred years from, from the time when you're writing, the things are going to be different. Larry. Well, keep in mind, all these people here on the internet, they all think history started in 2016. Um, yep. Yeah. So here's the thing. Don't ever, don't ever apologize guys. Don't apologize to people who have anything wrong because they're going to get you with pre-crime. Well, and one of the things we mentioned in our mandatory diversity, um, you know, we, we talked about just doing your research. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to write a period piece, um, you know, Joe Lansdale, right? Joe Mm -hmm. Lansdale writes a lot of period pieces, which is, and he's really good. He's phenomenal at it. Um, and he uses a lot of these words that, that today, like you and I aren't going to say out loud, right? And the stuff that this um, moron on the internet 
is would would say, oh, well, that's inappropriate, and you can't say that. It's like, well, if you write it any other way, then it's not authentic. No, and it'd be a lie. It'd be a lie, and you'd be, you'd be lying about the past. And so the whole point is, you have to do your research. If you don't want to be hurtful, then just do your research and write and write a good story. Well, when I wrote when I wrote Hard Magic, I got yelled at by people like this because of my racial insensitivity, because I had a book about the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Part of it takes place in China. And I had Imperial Japan as villains, which if you know anything at all about history, uh, you know. Pretty dang imperialistic. Yeah. Read, read the book, The Rape of Nanking. I, I toned it down. Okay. Well, and, and I mean, they have a, they have a long history of going in and attacking their neighbors, um, throughout, well, I mean, I mean, we got, they've been around for ages. You know, I mean. you got head bowling and making ear necklaces and head mountains and that kind of yeah. thing in competitions of who could decapitate the most guys in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got stuff like that going on, but I was a bad person Yeah, because according to, you know, whatever today's current thing was, the thing is though, these guys don't actually care. They just want no. to control you. Well, um, here, I'll keep going. Okay. I'll keep going. So, yeah, you'll so that leads into the next points. It is horrifying to come to terms with your own ignorance, especially when you consider yourself an informed and progressive person. But when readers tell you that your work is flawed, you have to listen. So can private, sure, but don't make your hurt feelings more important. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, you know what? A little devil voice there. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm okay. If, you know, like we talked about in the last one, um, you know, there's, there's times when as a writer, you feel insecure and when you get some criticism, you know what, I'm, I'm a big believer that you should, uh, you should take the criticism, think about it for a while. Don't make any rash judgments. Um, but take it a step further than that and do all this in private, please. Or, or have, have a buddy who you can, who you can, uh, you know, send angry texts to like I do to Larry. So all the time, but take it a step further than that. And then, and that showed true introspection, but true introspection is not, you know, letting yourself being held hostage. True introspection is, is understanding when someone has a point and when someone's full of crap. Yeah. And this here is more like what, what we call this episode. Don't negotiate your terrorists is, is, um, when your readers tell you your work is flawed, you have to listen. Yeah, no, that's bull crap. Especially when your reader here is basically literary Osama bin Laden mm-hmm. telling you how you you may or may not create art. Uh, and the whole sulk in private, sure, but don't make your hurt feelings more important. Hey, guys, you know what? You're artists. You're allowed to have feelings. Mm-hmm. Your feelings are more important than the random Twitter mob, most of whom have anonymous names because, you know, 95 of them are all the same person. Um and this whole is horrifying to come to terms with your own ignorance, your own ignorance. You know what? You're being yelled at by the most ignorant and intolerant people on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you probably aren't the ignorant party in this. You just stepped on one of their invisible lines. Well, well, and that line changes. It's, it's a line in the sand, Larry, because, you know, they, as soon as you cave to that, they'll just wipe it away, take a step forward towards you again. And then draw another line. And then you got to step back from that. And they'll demand you apologize every time. Yep. And even if you do apologize, you know what, guys? It might not be good enough and they might kill you anyway. Yeah, it's never good enough. All right. We're going to take our break. When we come back, it's still not over. The advice, the bad advice continues. We'll be right back. 
A small town cop receives an inheritance from his recently dead wife, except she had already been murdered years before. While dying, gunshot in the middle of a crossroads, a man's blood summons a crossroads demon who then convinces him to enforce her deals by becoming her hellhound. A mobile city fleeing from Keiju becomes self-aware and begins stalking a woman living within. Recently home from serving in Vietnam, an ex-soldier discovers the corpse of his wife killed as part of an eldritch ritual. What Hellhounds Dream and Other Stories collects 15 of Steve Diamond's chilling short stories along with commentary on each tale. What Hellhounds Dream and Other Stories available on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Pick up your copy today. And we're back because guys and ladies don't want to discriminate. Not that I'm a biologist or anything. And we have so much more because of this thread. It just keeps giving, Larry. It's true. I will have you know, though, like, like unto Elizabeth Warren, I am one 1,024th biologist. I'm 1,124th Navy SEAL, but, you know, I'm not in the Army, so. <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> from, our, from our blue check mark here. I have been called in and called out before. It's scary. It feels like your character is being condemned unfairly and out of context. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. Pain is necessary for growth. You are being given an opportunity to grow as a writer and as a person. Oh, man. So so this abuse y- is good for you. Y- you, know, you know what this, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that? It's, uh, it's how the devil always speaks in half-truths, okay? Because there's, there's nuggets in there where you're kind of like, you're kind of like, yeah, I mean, I can, I can get that, you know? Like, well, like sh- the, the idea that, that through hardship I can, I can become a better person, like, I firmly believe that. Yeah, this gaslight and bullcrap here kind of like- but that's f- the problem, yeah. It forts with the edge of honesty. Uh-huh. Like, it's scary. It feels like your character is being condemned unfairly and out of context. Yes. Uh, look, hey, I've received plenty of criticism from pre from pre readers, from um, other authors, from uh, regular readers, from editors, and the first thing I think is, man, I feel like they're attacking me personally. They're not. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, an unfair and uh, uh, being attacked on the internet by like the cancel culture people, it does. It feels scary and out of context. But here she explains why that's for your own good. You know, because like the abusive trailer park husband, uh-huh. he wouldn't punch you in the face if you were nicer. Well, if you, you know didn't what? get lippy, you, he wouldn't have to beat you. And you know what? Each of those beatings, it teaches you something there. It teaches you how to be yeah. a better person. If you hadn't burned his dinner, he wouldn't have to smack you. That's right. I mean, come on. Next time, just do the dinner right. I mean, you're the laughing stock of the trailer park here, people. Mm-hmm. No, seriously, this is disgusting. It's, it's this, this is, that's why I wanted to do this one because I'm actually, I mean, I usually have fun with this stuff and I laugh and I joke, but this guy's, this stuff is evil. It's nefarious. It's designed to crush you. And my response when I saw all this, uh, and this is heartfelt here. If you are an artist and you give random psychopaths on the internet veto power of what art you can make, you're not really an artist. No. You make art, guys. Go out and make beautiful art. Make the world a better place. Tell stories. Have fun. Be awesome. Enjoy yourself. Get paid. Definitely do that last part. Okay, but don't ever, ever, ever listen to people like this. So a couple episodes ago, I was sharing about 
some of my stories with residue, how um, an editor in Germany really loved the story, but the higher ups wouldn't buy it because the, the, the main character was a guy instead of a girl. And I'm not going to lie. The very first thing I thought was, well, what if I just switched it? What if I just made the girl the main character instead? You know, I, I just, I just gender flopped both people. And it took me all of about three seconds to go, but then that's not the story I wrote. So screw that. Yeah. But how many people out there, Larry, are hearing advice like this, you know, absolute dumpster fire advice and going, well, gosh, I mean, I guess then instead my, uh, you know, my, my lovable, um, protagonist who, who happens to, to do X, Y, and Z. Well, now I have to make them, um, completely different. Uh, I'm just going to change everything about them and completely radically change the story all to appease this one piece of advice I saw on the internet once because I read it on the internet. It must be true. Well, because obviously if a bunch of anonymous randos come at you to scream at you on Twitter, it's because they care about the quality Mm -hmm. of your work and your art. Not that they just want to boss you around and control yeah. you because no. they're a bunch of control freaks. Heavens no. They have my best interest in all. Oh, no. It'll be better to this time, baby. I swear. No. Well, there is one more. Oh, well, here we go. More. Here we go. And once again, guys, honestly, like the, she, there's some specific groups that she talks about here. The group is irrelevant. The group will change tomorrow. Yeah. It was a different group yesterday. It was a different group the day before that. Uh, these people always claim to speak for whoever the downtrodden is of the day, but it'll be a different one tomorrow. And it'll be the same people. Uh, so here we go. <clears throat> I'm sure the same people claim to speak for them. Right. Totally different. Whoever the victim class yep. is. It's crap. Fellow cis writers, I am begging you to listen to trans reviewers, creators, and critics. I am begging you to own your ignorance and sit with it. <laughs> what? I don't even know what that I means. I don't even know what that means. You are... Not being attacked when people don't like your book on Twitter. Trans folks are under attack every day of their lives. Okay. So, wait. So, can, yeah. so we're not under attack on Twitter, but didn't she just say that when people attack you, you have to listen? Didn't she just say when we got attacked, it was actually a good thing because yeah. it was a learning opportunity to have a bunch of random people try to like destroy your life and ruin you and tear your name down and destroy your livelihood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, well. It's consistency. Um, that, that's what they're known for. So guys on the trans things, just like go ahead and put group X here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Uh, cause this is always the same thing. It's always the same twisted, uh, horrible things because this, when I started 12 years ago, uh, it would have been women. It would have been gay people. It would have been, uh, black people, uh, Latin X, which I'm. Was the as a guy who speaks Spanish, that offends me. Yeah, Steve's fluent in Spanish. I'm Portuguese, and we're like you know come from like Romance language I, stuff. I work, and... I work with this gal. Um, yeah, at the... at the day job, who um, like she's literally from Mexico, and so I sat her down. I'm like, hey, I got a question for you. What is? Have you heard of this? And she just stared at me. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, it's because you know, you know, you know, non, you know, it's you know, taking away the gendered nature of the of the language. She goes. Well, that's stupid. Dude, Spanish, Portuguese, you're, you're, <laughs> everything is male or female. The doorknob is male or female. Yeah. Your chair is male or female. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
Well, yeah. That's either here nor there. But somebody, because where, where did that crap come from? Even though, like, I, was, I saw the stats, like, 97% of Hispanics and Spanish speakers think that's, like, the stupidest thing they've ever heard. And so, but once again, it was people like this on the internet cramming their nonsense down people's throats. And here's an interesting one, too, on the whole uh, trans viewers, creators, and critics. Okay, well, so we will use trans. Um, not all trans people agree on literature. And story. It's almost like, as we said in our previous, one of our previous episodes, that the only diversity that matters is diversity of thought. Yeah, it's interesting because I actually, I actually have quite a few uh, uh, readers that are in that category. Actually, a couple of them are pretty freaking wild. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're brave. Like, like they're doing, one of them just got back from the Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. I mean, they're, they're adventurous people. Um, so it's a diverse group like any other, like any other group of human beings. They're not all going to, you know, there, you could get some trans people and there's probably some Monster Hunter International fans. There's probably some people who love John Scalzi novels in there. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's going to be a wildly divergent group of people like anything else. So this crap here, this is basically just listen to me and my friends and whatever we tell you and do it or else. And she begs us to own our ignorance. What about her ignorance? What about the ignorance yeah. of these reviewers? Well, and that's, that's the problem that I have with all this, Larry, is, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, a saying, I don't know if it's an exact saying, but, um, it's effectively, I know just enough in X to know how much I don't know. Okay. So like, I know just enough accounting to understand how little I actually know of the wider world of it. It's a huge subject. You know, it's a massive subject. Um, you know, you, Larry, you're, you're exceptionally proficient with, with firearms. Okay. But I recognize that I, However, I have many, 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 many weaknesses and areas where you know, I don't know anything. You're, you're extremely good. And yet, um, last year you and I were at a, um, at a shooting, let's call it a seminar class. Yeah, it's a class. And. Of top tier individuals. You were easily in the bottom half. Oh of yeah, those man. Shooters. I, uh, was one of the only classes of my life I've been below the, like on the lower side of the bell curve. Yeah. And put this perspective, every, among almost every other class I've ever gone to, I'm usually competing for top gun. And I felt like an ant. Well, it's just, that's how good it is. They were so good. Well, you have about the Dunning-Kruger graph, right? You mm -hmm. know, you guys have all heard yeah, about yeah. the Dunning-Kruger thing where, you know, the, the less you know about the subject, the more, uh, more confident you are. And the more you're an, actually an expert on the subject, it kind of drops off to the point then where you are proficient again, but even then you recognize your shortcomings. This is the same kind of thing. These people are spiking that Dunning-Kruger. These people, this, this tweet... Storm comes from the peaks, 10,000 feet above sea level, high above the earth on Mount Dunning-Kruger, okay? You need to sit with your ignorance and stew. The, the, the most, the worst part about all of this is that, is, is the gaslighting implications within it. And that's that. Oh yeah. It's that, it isn't just that, that you have to maybe have a little bit of self-reflection. And, and wonder and, and think no, about you what you're need writing. To have self-reflection and do as they say. And do as they say, whatever it is. It's not specific. None of this is specific. Yeah. As we've seen, these guys have, and, um, they've destroyed careers. They've, they've, they've caused books not to be launched. So bonus, bonus tweet. It's not actually a tweet. It's not on here, but bonus time, Larry. Bonus. Let, let's call this uh, stoppage time. If you're a soccer fan. Okay. I was at a convention recently. And I was on a panel and one of the people said, and then I, and then I read it again later on Rando on the internet. I should have screenshotted it for us. But the person said that once you've written your story, 
and you've sent it out to people, that at that point it's no longer yours and that you don't own it anymore and that the fans are the ones that own that story and they decide what it is that your story should be doing next. And, and, and in a way, that very much is a continuation of this. It's the idea that, that the, the people out there always know better than you as the author for what's good for you as your career and good for you and your story. Well, notice, I mean, people who say that too, it, the people, they're not turning it over to the masses of your fans either. They're not, they're not turning, they're turning it over to whoever them and their friends are with whatever the grievance of the day is. Well, most of these people aren't your fans anyway. No, most people don't even read. No. <laughs> they don't even buy books. No. They're not in it for that. They're in it to be bullies. This is, no. this is a societally approved form of bullying mm-hmm. where they get to tell themselves they're good people. Well, and I get, I get so offended by the idea that, that all these people think that, that they know better than I do about my story and that they feel that they can come in and impose their will on me. Um, again, that, I mean, this is just literary terrorism. It's the idea that they can hold me hostage and that if I don't do what they say, they'll cancel me. Yeah. Because to take this all the way back to what the very first tweet was, it was, I don't worry about being canceled, blah, blah, blah. A I'm a moron, blah, yeah, blah, that's blah. that's a total lie. So, um, because I do care about being canceled, Larry. I don't want to get canceled because I don't want to work in corporate America for the rest of my life. I want to do this. I want to do art for a living. Well, the key, the key on not getting canceled is you need to be John McClain. Yeah. You need to go in there and you refuse to play by their rules. That's the biggest single key yeah. to success. So I'm crawling around through an air duct with a bread of 92. Okay. Yeah. That's been my career. Okay. Let's be honest. I couldn't fit in an air duct. No way. <laughs> no I, way. I am actually carrying a bread of 92 say, but, right but this the, minute. But I was going to say, but the bread is pretty To accurate. be fair though, it is a Langdon Tactical uh, LTT RDO. Yeah. So it's a really nice bread. <laughs> um, sorry. That was for the guys. Sorry. Mine's just a SIG. Nothing yeah. special. Yeah. SIG is 365 today? No, 320. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Carrying yeah. the big iron. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, guys. Oh, um, no, but here's a key guys. Don't, um, don't play by their rules because the people who get trapped in this are inevitably the people who agree to go along with it. They're the ones who apologize. They're the ones that scrape and beg and bow and, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to offend you by using a word that was fine until yesterday. Mm-hmm. Or I, uh, you know, or, or I portrayed somebody in a light that you don't agree with. And now you're going to destroy. And this last line is interesting to because she said, when people criticize your books, they're not actually attacking you. Well, well, that's the thing though. She's actually, once again, we're going back to the gaslighting because there's two different things here. They're not criticizing your books. They're usually forming up lunch mobs to pressure your publisher into pulling your book. That's right. Or they're trying to push or pressure stores into not carrying you. Or they're trying to cause like a big hashtag campaign to get you destroyed so no one will ever read your books again. And it has nothing to do with your book. Or they're organizing fake um, review bombardments uh, on yes. like Goodreads. Yes, I just saw that. Yeah, yep. they, did, they just did that to Christopher Rocky. They did that Rocky, to Chris, yeah. Which I have no idea why. Chris, Chris is just a great guy and he's a fantastic writer. So if, like before his book came out, he had like, what, a couple hundred one-star reviews? All no one's read the book yet. Yeah, he's got hundreds of one-star reviews. Yeah, that's good reads for you. Yeah. And so guys, 
well, yeah, basically that's, when we're talking about don't negotiate with terrorists, uh, then Goodreads is basically Afghanistan, 1987, you know, Muhajadeen riding yeah. around in the back of Toyota pickup trucks here. Okay. So, I mean, it's Somalia during Black Hawk Down <laughs> is Goodreads. Okay. <laughs> Muhammad Farah ID, he gives this book one star. Okay. <laughs> and he shoots his AK in the air. I mean, seriously, guys, that's what you're doing. Don't negotiate with terrorists. All right, everybody. That that's all the time we have for you today. Um, but but I hope that if nothing else, what you can take from this is is have confidence in yourself. And as Larry said earlier, go out and make art. Don't worry about other people. Um, it, you know, as we've said earlier, as long as as long as you're being a professional, you ain't got anything to worry about. Just go out and do your job. Produce art. You know, make good enough art that people will pay you for it and then profit. And you know what? Have fun while you're doing it. Don't worry about these other people because you know what? They're not your fans. They don't care what you think. So don't care about them. All right, this is the Rider Dojo. We'll see you next time. Rider Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash dojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Pain is necessary for growth. Larry, I only speak two languages, and idiot isn't one of them.